RadioInfluence.com. thing that I never thought in a million years would happen. happen. The champion, the challenger, here we go! This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. What is up, everyone? Welcome into this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd, and it is the interview edition of the show, as I've got a five-pack of fire interviews for you, as you're going to hear from two men who are coming off victories at UFC Vegas 65. You're going to hear from Miles Johns, who got that decision win against Vince Morales, a fight that he took on two weeks' notice. And yes, in this conversation, I did ask him about uh, the whole situation with with his coach, James Krause, which, of course, we all know kind of the uh, twists and turns that are happening with that story. Of course, me and Daniel talked about that on the last episode of the podcast where uh, he no longer has his deleted his YouTube channel. Also, his score channel ha- has been deleted as well. So that story take com- continues to take different turns. Then you're going to hear from Brady Heastan. He also got a decision win. UFC Vegas 65 against Fernie Garcia. So I talked to the Ultimate Fighter alum about that victory. I talked to him about his experiences with the Ultimate Fighter being a part of Team Volkanovski and and the the long road back for him. Of course, uh, the reason that he had a 15-month layoff was due to that ACL surgery that he did have. Then you're going to hear from a man that's going to be a part of UFC 282 come up here on December 10th. Jay Perrin is he's going to be taking on Raul Rojas Jr. Of course, the 18-year-old a fire making his UFC debut. And uh, let's just say this. Here's here's a great way I would describe the interview with Jay Perrin. Uh, a fired-up Jay Perrin. Uh, that, that's a, a way I would describe this interview. Uh, we talked about uh, judging because I was watching another interview that Jay did. and But then we also talked about uh, Raul. And uh, yeah, fired up is about the, the, the best way that I would put it there. Then you're going to hear from the man that's going to be fighting for the featherweight title in the main event of Unified MMA 47 on December the 2nd. Calgary, hometown fight for him. And it will be his first fight in over four years. Justin Bastra had a chance to talk to him about his matchup. He'll be challenging for the featherweight title in this one. And uh, we talked about that uh, over four-year layoff that he has had with this. And also uh, talked about uh, you know why he calls his opponent a tricky fighter when it comes to the grappling side of this sport. And then the final interview of the show is going to be with a man who is now 2-0 in his career. He's coming off a 12-second stoppage victory at bear fight fc 16 and that is jesse rojas this is the older brother of raul rojas jr of course you you, you hear about the rojas brothers this is the the older brother he's 19 years old so all those interviews come up here on this edition of the mma report podcast of course a uh, uh, little, little full disclosure i'm actually recording this here on saturday november the 26th of course this podcast comes out on sunday and uh boy last night what a shocker we had in the pfl uh, i have not watched uh, the pfl event uh, at at this point yet because well last night i was watching the four state florida game and uh boy uh gotta get my roses to my guy daniel galvan as you know he picked larissa pacheco on on, on thursday's podcast and i kind of gave him some crap about that but man and uh, i thought the pfl press release 
Uh, the headline of the press release described this perfectly. Larissa Pacheco stuns Kayla Harrison at 2022 PFL World Championship. And, um, you know, and just kind of, I, I was on Twitter uh, after a fight was over, after seeing the results of that one. And, man, it's, uh, you know, for, for Kayla Harrison, it's, I mean, uh, the I guess the positive news for the PFL is the fact of, you know, this sets up a fourth fight and uh, probably a fourth fight you, you could put on pay-per-view or you put it on ESPN and, uh, Really, I will tell you this, really interesting to see um, what the buy rate was for last night's pay-per-view. That's that's going to be very telling uh, to me. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Ariel Hawani had a tweet where it was a poll tweet about asking if people were going to buy it, and, man, it was not a good look there. Uh, you know, also, last night, uh, Brennan Laughlin, uh, he gets a fourth-round TKO against Bubba Jenkins. And, of course, uh, you know, I mean, look, you think about Brennan Laughlin and, and what life has been like for this man over the past couple of years where he's on the contender series and he wins his fight, but Dana White doesn't sign him because, uh, you know, and, and look, everyone know, kind of knows how Dana feels about, you know, guys who kind of, you know, more are, I mean, look, Dana wants guys who are going to, you know, stand and brawl. I mean, let's just be honest about it. And, and I don't blame Dana White for that. And he doesn't sign, sign Brandon Laughlin because Brandon Laughlin is secured around with a takedown. And uh, now you look at Brandon Laughlin a couple years advance, and now he's got a million dollars in his bank account. So that worked out well uh, for him. Uh, also, Aspen Lab. She made her PFL debut. She got a split decision win there against Julia Bud. You know, look, I would have expected that if Kayla Harrison would have won the main event, that they were going to do Kayla Harrison Aspen Lad. So we'll we'll see what happens uh, with Aspen Lad in 2023. Uh, Olivia Aubin Mercier, he also wins a million dollars getting that win there against Stevie Ray. Robert Wilkinson gets a second round doctor stoppage there, and man, that's a guy that you look at from his time when he was in the UFC to where he's at now, man. Great there. Uh, Sabadou C, he wins the welterweight with unanimous decision win of Delano Taylor. And uh, Deleja wins the heavyweight uh, with a first-round knockout there. Um, you know, when you look at the preliminary card, the things that, that really stick out to you, um, Marlon Moraes losing once again and, and being finished there uh, in the third round. Uh, Natan Schultz, submission win there. Magna, Magna Karamoff, will you name a decision win there against Glyce Tebow. And also uh, Ali Walsh uh, winning his amateur uh, fight there. Of course, uh, PFL's really been uh, hyping that kid up and obviously with uh, you know the the name Ali. And so we'll, we'll see how uh, that plays out uh, for the PFL. But, uh, you know, I'm interested to kind of see, you know, to me, um, you know, some interesting results there, but really for PFL, I'm really interested to kind of see where does that go there. By the way, I, I want to I offer some clarification, too, on, on something else because um, – Daniel had, had texted me last night and he's like, oh man, you, you made it onto, onto, uh, the MMA Reddit. And it was in relation to the, the tweet I had, uh, about the PFL and for bars, which it is, uh, you know, in terms of how bars were able to get the PFL pay-per-view, it wasn't like a, a UFC pay-per-view where, you know, there, there's a price point that you have. But, you know, there was, you know, the the headline on the MMA Red was PFL package being offered to bars as part of the ESPN Plus uh, for free as part of the ESPN Plus for business. And, you know, so Daniel sends it to me and I'm just like, 
yeah, I never said it was for free. Um, ESPN Plus for Business is, is a subscription model. You have to pay for it, you know. And so, um, you know, for the locations that I'm, you know, I run the marketing for, we have that. But, you know, I saw that and I was like, I was like, yeah, I never said it's being offered for part for free. Uh, it is a package that we have to pay for. Um, but uh, I mean, look, I, I'll tell you this and, and not to, not to rail on PFL, but rarely, rarely do you ever hear someone ask if we're going to have the PFL fights on. I mean, that's just the reality is in this, in this world, people ask if you have the UFC fights, you know, you rarely have uh, someone come in and say, Hey, do you have the PFL fights or do you have, um, you know, the Bellator fights on, but uh, you know, we did, we did have the PFL fights on, but um, it it is a, we pay for ESPN plus for business. So it's not free. Um, So uh, I, I I saw that. And I mean, it's like 139 comments, which was kind of crazy. Um, you know, but, uh, so I, I did put out kind of a clarification, uh, you know, tweet on that one. It's like, yeah, this is not free. Um, I, I don't know why people, uh, you know, cause I never said it was free. So I just kind of wanted to offer a little bit of a, a clarification in terms of that one, but look, I always appreciate you. you want to put my tweets on Reddit. I'll always appreciate that. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, I saw that. So I just want to kind of offer a little bit of clarification on that, but let's get right into the interviews up first. You're going to hear the conversation I have with miles John. Then it'll be with Brady Heastan, then Jay Perra, then Justin Bastra, and then the final conversation here with Jesse Rojas. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory, UFC Vegas 65 miles. Uh, appreciate the time, man. Uh, you know, so we're, we're talking here day after Thanksgiving. You know, we all yeah. kind of have that, that, that family dish. That whether it's it's mom, grandma, dad, grandpa, maybe it's you, some of your immediate family cooks uh, that that maybe you, you overindulge yourself on. Did we overindulge ourselves <laughs> now? The fact that we're not in fight camp. Yeah, maybe I've been older, overindulging myself with a few too many days, but uh, <laughs> yeah, honestly, my favorite my favorite dish got to be the box stuff, and I know a lot of people make fun of me for that, but I don't know. I've loved that stuff for a long time, so. I get you, man. I'm I'm a pumpkin pie kind of guy. That, that's what you know. I I tend to oh, yeah. myself on that one. Uh, but you know, you're coming off this victory, and uh, you know, it's a fight that you take on short notice. Pros and yeah. cons of taking a fight on short notice. The pros are definitely I don't have to live yeah. in that like um, that fight realm for too long. You know, like uh, when I have a fight on the books, I know that my family can tell I'm not always the happiest or nicest guy, and it's just it's just hard to live in the moment with them when I'm constantly, constantly thinking about thinking about that fight and that opponent and all that stuff. So that's definitely one of the pros. And, um, and it's also, you know, it's just like, a, like kind of like a surprise paycheck, you know, like, I mean, when you go through an eight week camp, you're spending a lot of money throughout that whole camp and stuff, you know, for all the training and rehab and everything like that. Two weeks, it's just like, Oh yeah, let's jump in there. Let's, uh, let's get paid and let's, and let's go. But, but um, the cons is definitely the weight cut and you just don't have too much time to, game plan obviously you know and um one con that i didn't really expect was just um was the fact that my timing wasn't going to be there you know i guess in camp i really get my timing and my range down pat and that wasn't there so it's kind of hard to reach him in the cage you know um so i I felt that while i was in there that was one of the things i actually wrote down because you talked about that after after the fight was over talking about how your timing wasn't there it was kind of made me think about of is it one of those things that in the moment you thought it was worse than when you actually went back and watched the fight? I think so. 
I think so. And to, and timing a lot of times is partially mental. Like, I mean, it's, it's not, but part, it is like believing that like, Oh, when I do this, he's going to be here. Like, Oh, when I do that, it's gonna You know what I mean? So, so when I went back and looked, it was more, it was more just in my head. I just, I just, like they say, I wasn't firing on all cylinders. You know, when I'm firing on all cylinders, I'm real confident and all in my hands and everything. And, and I, I didn't feel that in there and it, it showed. You wrote on Instagram where you said, although I am always my biggest critic, I can say that was not my best performance. Like, like if we're talking about <clears throat> like a 10 is like an A plus, hey, man, you went out there, did everything you thought. Where, where do you think you kind of fit on that one to 10 scale? Man, it's it's hard to say because I am I know I am tougher on myself, but mm-hmm. honestly, it'd, it'd be like a 60 or 70 percent. You know, if, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, you know, I got the dub. I don't want to take anything away from Vince because Vince is a very experienced fighter. You know, he's a really good fighter. He's been in there with guys like Song Yudong, um, Jonathan Martinez. He's got some good wins in the UFC. That was his eighth fight in the UFC. You know, so as you get even if some of those are losses, as you just get that experience, you're going to you got to get better. You know, you're going to be comfy in there. You're going to you got to improve. So. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him, but for me personally, I feel like it was like a 60 or 70%. You know, when, when I was going over to your Instagram, one of the, the pin um, IG posts you had was Chapo 2.0 coming soon. Do you feel like yeah. we saw 2.0? Um, on, I don't, you know, but, but that's all, that's all just like a process, you know, um, excuse me, I'm sorry. So trying to find my spot here. <laughs> um, I, it's all. I feel like that's all. That's all process. So you know, part of it is that I got that experience now. You know, I had that. I had that short notice fight. I had the whole issue with um, Kraus not being able to corner me. I, I went. I went through so much. Um, Coach Safe was there the whole time, and so I had like I. I addressed him and dealing with the fact that he's on scene and not, but also not in my corner. You know, I feel like doing all that was part of that Chapo 2.0. You know, it was it was part of the evolution. Like I, I I did things that previously I thought I would not have been able to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I still think that that Chapo 2.0 is still going to come out in lots of fights. I think 2023 is going to be a big year and that and that whole will just be a part of the evolution, but but no they haven't seen what I have planned for them. I'll, I'll say that. We all know the story with, with what happened with, with, with James and, and all that situation. And, you know, it, it makes me think of challenges and adversities that athletes have to deal with. You know, you maybe, maybe it happens on fight night. Maybe it happens, you know, 16 hours before the fight. Like, it, it, how do when when you kind of learn of that and it's like, okay, my coach now cannot be in my corner because of other situations. Like, what what goes through your mind? There's a lot of there's a lot of immediate thoughts that go through your mind. The first one is like, this is always gonna be like, oh shit, like I'm still fighting, right? You know, like and of course, like there's, I mean, there's no question, but that thought is gonna go through your head, and then it's just, what do we do? Like, who are we gonna put somebody in? Are we just gonna are we just gonna have two? You know, it's it's kind of there's just anxious thoughts that flood that flood your mind at, at first, and you have to just accept those thoughts. You know, like you can't like try to fight and be like, oh. Oh, they're not there. They're not there. You just you just accept them for what they are. Of course, you're gonna feel a little anxious. Of course, you're gonna have some nervous thoughts like, "Oh, this could be bad." But then you just remind yourself, like, "It's all right." Like, I mean, I'm the fighter. 
I'm the one who has to step in there. I've done the work already. Mm-hmm. It's got to be fine. Like, it's just going to be another day in the office. And that's what I'm very grateful to have um, my brothers, my dad, and my wife in my corner there with me at the table because we are all kind of feeling some of those thoughts. And then they just remind me, they'd be like, dude, like, how long have you been fighting? Like, I mean, you've been beating people up since third grade. Like, this is gonna be this is gonna be nothing new, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's just you you feel those thoughts, you accept those thoughts, and you realize at the end of the day, it's it's not gonna change anything. You're gonna go in there and you're gonna do your thing regardless. The clear storyline with you heading into this fight was the the changes that you've made over the past couple of months, going from Fortis to Glory. Uh, how do you compare and contrast? the coaching styles of not just safe, but all the coaches at Fortis and all the coaches at glory of how they, they get fighters ready to compete on fight night. You know, I don't really love to do a ton of compare and contrasting with that because I feel like I needed, I needed both. I needed that decade at Fortis. I needed that 10 years with coach safe, you know, like like an apprenticeship. Like I still, I spent so much time with him. He's like a father figure to me. I still hear his voice whenever I'm training, whenever, even when I was in the octagon there on Saturday, like I still feel all the lessons that he's given me. And I, and I'm just like, um, it's like, you've learned that and you've got what you've taken from that. And I've, and I I just needed that as a fighter. He's, he really is one of the only coaches there. I would say at Fortis, you know, when, when he's not there, the guys like the, um, the fighters run the practices and stuff. So one thing with um, Glory is that they do have multiple coaches. You know, even when Kraus is there and he's um, leading, they have other coaches who have eyes on us, like on the mats and watching. So, which is I think good because you can they can just also see what's going on. You know, Kraus could be busy with somebody else um, fixing a technique, and they can and they can have their eyes on you and be like, oh, we need to do it a little bit different this way. You know, so so I think I think that is good and a smart approach, but. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't like to do too much comparing contrasting, but I but there's a they're very technical at Glory. You know, it's not it's not as much um about the mental aspect and about like just the fight. You know, we call it like chess and checkers. We play a lot of checkers at Fortis, which is just you go, I go, you go, I like we're like we're we learn how to really fight and how to bite down our mouthpiece and get and get nasty. And at Glory, we we it's very technical, and you learn like those little things. So, so that's what that's why I'm happy. Like I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to learn under two great but very different instructors. You know, because I got that time at Fortis, I took that with me. I keep it with me, and I will for the rest of my career. And now I'm just fixing all these little things, all these little technical things that really I feel like a newborn in the game with. You know, and I feel like once I do that, when I get my feet under me, it's gonna be just like a. I started to see what some of these highest level guys are doing. I'm like, oh, I could fight. Like, I can fight with these top five guys. Like, if I fix these little things, like, I'm right there with them. So, it's it's a good feeling. See, now, what what I think about potential differences is the cities. You're talking about a major metroplex where Fortis is at. And we're talking about a small city, at least so in Missouri. Uh, like, yeah. how how was life different, just in terms of everyday life? Of you go from a, a major, one of the biggest cities in the United States, to you know, middle America, and it's obviously nowhere near the size of where of Dallas. Yeah, that that is different. But I, I'm from Kansas, you know. First of all, so. I'm from a much smaller city than uh, Lee Summit or Kansas City where I'm living. I'm from a much smaller city than that. So I've had that contrast growing up, wrestling and everything. And Dallas is big, but, man, it's – I don't know. Like, they think – it. 
not not Florida is, but Dallas in general thinks it's bigger than it is. Like it's like I always I always would say it's like a wannabe LA. You know, it's like everybody's moving fast and this and that and this and that. I'm like, and, and I love the city. You know, nothing nothing against the city, but but I was happy to get to a little smaller, more I was kind of down to earth environment. You know what I mean? There's a it, it's still the, the opportunities for my kids. There's still tons of things to do. It's um. But but it is a little bit slower pace and a little bit more family oriented, you know. So so I was I was actually happy. I felt like it was time in my life for that because my oldest son is six, my other is four, you know, and I, and I was ready to get them out of that um, big city life because uh, to me a lot of it's just like a bunch of hype and hoopla, you know. Like there's nothing. That, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they think it's like a little bit little bit bigger deal than it really is man we're all just out here trying to live life and trying to do the best we can you know you, you know you mentioned about you, you've been enjoying life uh you know over the last uh, week and a half or so but uh you know uh, have you started already started kind of thinking about you know obviously the ufc's i mean i think they're booking fights now into march uh, of 2023 yeah. i mean is that kind of your mindset thinking okay i'm probably going to get a call for a, a full week camp and, and it's probably maybe it's march or april yeah, I mean, I would like February. I mean, I like I'm enjoying life, you know. Like I get to eat a few more calories and stuff, but it's nonstop, man. Immediately when I leave that when I leave that cage, it's like, who's next? What's next? All I know is it's gonna be harder. Like you know, there's people like I mean, there's a bunch of like pages on Instagram of like MMA uh, matchmakers or MMA fortune tellers, whatever it is, you know, and they're like lining up all these guys. This is the fight we'd like to see next. This is what we want to see next. Uh, you know, it's a bunch of killers and stuff. So it's, it's really nonstop. I never, I've never stopped like thinking about what, what's going to be coming my way and how I'm going to prepare myself for that. You know, I know, I know that I will be prepared, you know, and I know that I'll, I'll be ready to take on whatever, but, but to say like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm enjoying, like, I'm not worried about it. I mean, that's like, that's a little cap, you know, it's always, it's always in the back of my head. I'm always, I always know something's coming. So if I get in there in February, that, that'd be awesome for me. I gotta Anytime imagine. That, I gotta imagine your Instagram was kind of blowing up Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> like, bit. You know, because like, uh, I, I, I like this. This is a legit story. I'm sitting here in my home studio. I've got the fights on, and your post fight interview goes, and I literally in my head go, "Did he just say that?" Like, <laughs> w- was that kind of like? Because and then I, I, as we were talking, I was like, "Man, his IG notifications had to be insane." Yeah, it, it was, you know, and and afterwards, I guess I called I called Coach Krause immediately after because I assumed that the UFC would know. I assumed the broadcast team would know. I assumed they'd be sharing that story because you know they're always telling a story in the like mm-hmm. on, while fighters are going. I just thought that it was already going to be talking about. Um, so when I went backstage and they're like, "So your coach was suspended." And I was like, yeah, but you guys already know that. They're like, oh, well, we know now. And then all these media guys are, like, asking yeah. me all these questions and stuff. Um, I felt bad. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm the, I'm the one who just spilled the beans. I had no idea. I, I had no intent of that, you know. Yeah. So I called him immediately, you know, and we and we squared away. And it's just kind of like if, if – uh, I just have to be in the know, you know, like if something like that's going on, like I just have, I have to know. Cause I won't, I mean, I, I'll hold my tongue, whatever. It was just a bunch of emotions just pouring out of me yeah. in that moment. You know what I mean? I wasn't even really thinking about it. I was just saying what I felt. So, but yeah, people were definitely hitting me up. The good thing is everybody that supposedly bet the house on me is happy with me. You know, last time they were ready to come find me and uh, murder <laughs> me, but now, now they're all my best friends. So it's all good. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I can only imagine what those. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're colorful messages. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all over the place. I have fun with it, though. It, it doesn't get to me either way. You know, I know that sometimes they're in your corner, sometimes they're not. You can't, you take it with a grain of salt. I mean, not to not to kind of hammer the the stuff with James out there, but has it affected you know kind of what what training life looks for you right now, or or have you not even gone back into the gym yet? I haven't. I usually take a week off to just be with family, be with my wife and kids and stuff. But um, I don't I don't think it's affected. You know, he's um, the second thing is that I really don't believe that he has done anything wrong. He's such a stand up guy. I mean, even when I moved gyms over here, like he was very very adamant about coach safe needs to be okay with this. Like I'm not taking you unless like we do this the right way. You know, he doesn't like to do things the wrong way. So I, I feel bad for him that he's having to do all this, you know, and I mean, he's just a guy out there that's trying to make a, like trying to make a good living for himself after fighting because it's all, it's all fine and dandy while we're fighting, but we have lives after that are kind of can be hard sometimes, you know, hard to know which route to take. So, so I feel bad for him, but I don't, I don't think it's going to affect him. You know, he's uh he doesn't like to disappoint people and stuff, so I know that he's – I know he's feeling it emotionally in that, but, but he, I mean, he's a fighter. He's tough. I think he's just – I think he's going to get back on his feet and it's really going to kick him into overdrive as a coach. You know, I think that he's going to be hungry. He's going to want to, like, just kind of shut the world up by having his guys go out there and smash people. You know, that's what I'm expecting and hoping from him, and I think that's what we'll see. Clearly, you got a long way to go in this, in this martial arts journey, but like you mentioned about that life after fighting. Is that something that you think about of like, what does life after fighting look like for me? Yeah, I think about it all the time, you know, and um, I'm a father right now. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit of an apprenticeship of just working with kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like seeing how kids like operate, how they think, how you can get, how you can motivate them and what you shouldn't do to lose their motivation and stuff like that. And um, I think I'll probably have a career in like coaching, you know, I don't know what age, I don't know how much traveling I'd want to do after that, you know, um, but, but yeah, I think about it all the time. But then when I do a lot of times, my mission is just that I got to have my name big enough to where I can do whatever I want to do. And it'll be successful, you know, like Cowboy Cerrone, he, he didn't even end his career the way he may have wanted to. But if he opened up a gym, if he does it, whatever he does, it's going to have his name stamp next to it and it's going to be somewhat successful so so that that's my that's my hope just keep winning fights and just get your name out there and uh, we'll figure that out after you know I, i've talked to fighters who uh like teach kids classes you know in, in the gym that, that they, they train at and they all say is like it's like hey you gotta have patience but b it makes you realize how important fundamentals are to everything you do in the fight game yeah a hundred percent. And that's, uh, that's the type of fighter I am. I am regardless, you know, I like, I like simple things, you know, and I, I ride behind my simple things. So, um, I definitely take that into account when I'm teaching these kids and stuff and, and they enjoy too. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's everything, you know, and it's a fundamental, fundamental for fight game and fundamentals for life. You know, I'm just trying to, I myself am trying to raise tough, resilient kids because in the world that we're in, I think resilience is like the biggest trait you can have the best trait you can have. And so that's what I would just try to do with my kids that I've worked with. It, it kind of makes me think about when we were talking about those pros and cons of short notice fights. Like it almost makes it me come off and say that it, the biggest pros is, is that you, you just don't overcomplicate the, the fight. Yeah. 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 A hundred, a hundred percent. You don't, you just go out there and you do your thing. But also, I mean, the con of that is that I was not, 
I wasn't firing on all cylinders, I think, because of that, because I just went out there and fought, you know. So so it's a it's a two edged sword, you know, but but I was definitely I was happy about it. But is that one of those things that you look at and you say, like, hey, I didn't perform the way I wanted to, but I still went out there and got the W. Hundred percent. Yeah. And now and now I know now I know that I can do that. You know, I've always people have always asked me, like, how quick can you make weight? And I'm like, oh, two weeks and when I was like, I don't know, are you sure about that? And now now I've proven that to, to them and to myself, you know, so so I can I can get it done on two weeks notice. Anything anything more than that is just icing on the cake for me. Yeah, I, I was watching your, your post-fight press conference and uh, one of the reporters kind of asked you about that. My, my first thought, you take a short-notice fight, is like, like, you got to step on the scale and see what you're at. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't really, st- I don't step on too much outside of fight camp, you know, like I do a little bit, but I know generally where I'm at by how, yeah. like, just like how I'm trained, how I'm eating. So I try, I kind of avoid it. So I think even it was, a, yeah, I had to, I had had, my wife made me step on scale after a little bit. I was like, okay, so We'll have to take care of that, but we'll take care of it. It's all good. Yeah, but uh, congratulations on Victor Miles. Appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know that you follow you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Uh, yeah, you guys follow me at uh, Miles Chapel Johns. Um, other than that, I got nothing, man. I appreciate the time. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And- Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory this past uh, about uh, just under a week and a half ago at UFC Vegas 65, Brady, man. Uh, appreciate the time. Obviously, it was a long road back for you to, to get to this matchup, man. So, like, you know, 15 months away. Obviously, uh, you talked about the ACL injury that you had there. Um, you know, like, what was the, the hardest part of coming back from ACL surgery? Yeah, so I think the the hardest part is just uh, you know taking a break for that long. Before that, I you know I've been training since I was 13, 14 in jiu-jitsu, and I haven't taken more than you know a week or two off at a time. And so right after surgery, I couldn't even walk for two months, you know, because I had meniscus surgery, so I couldn't even put any weight on my leg. And so it's just a weird uh, lifestyle change where I couldn't train at all, and I couldn't throw a kick, couldn't grapple, couldn't anything. So. It was definitely, I think that was the hardest part. Once I started training again, you know, the recovery became a lot easier. More mental than physical? Oh, yeah, way more mental than physical. Because it didn't actually hurt. They just said you couldn't walk on it because when you repair your meniscus, if you put weight on it, it could, you know, it could rip the sutures and then you got to start all over again. So, yeah, it didn't. It did, it did hurt like the first week. But after that, I felt pretty good. And it was just kind of mentally dealing with it and kind of holding myself back. You know, I think from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people would say it's got to be about when you start throwing leg kicks with the repaired knee is is maybe a mental hurdle you got to get over. Was that a hurdle for you at all? Or is it just like, man, once the doctor said I was good, I was I just I just started flinging that thing out there. Yeah, dude, I actually didn't even think about that because, you know, I you, like it makes sense because you throw a kick with that leg, you think the leg would pop out. The one that was actually more like mental for me is when i would kick with the other leg like planting on that leg and having it like hold my weight as i'm like throwing my leg, other leg up there and kicking you know that stability i think that was more nerve-wracking for me but then again you know like i always thought to myself i'm like dude i fought three fights without the acl even if this guy if this acl is at 20 percent, i think i'm gonna function fine i'll be fine was there part of you, did the doctor look at you and go, hey, man, how are you fighting with this injury? Yeah, no, they, a lot of people were surprised. You know, I was actually surprised when I found out about it, too, because 
I'd never had an injury before. I've never like been, you know, broke a bone, never, you know, the most I did was roll an ankle. And so having this injury, I'd be like, my knee popped out, but it would pop back in and just swell up. And I'm like, I don't really know what this is. Maybe it's, you know, my meniscus is just a little messed up because I, my brother had the same thing. And so I was like, oh, maybe it's just my meniscus. And then when I, they come back with the results and they're like, yeah, you don't have an ACL, your MCL is partially torn and then your meniscus is partially torn. I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. Uh, but of course you, you returned to competition and, you know, after the fight was over, you're talking about the first round was, you know, not the round you were hoping for. Like, uh, obviously you've had time now to go back and, and look at that thing. Like, is, is it, is it, do you pay more attention to rewatching round one than rewatching rounds two and three? Well, yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I watch round one and I'm like, damn, you idiot. Because, you know, me and my team and my coach, we like, we had such a good plan because, you know, Fernie is such a good counter striker. He's really good boxing, quick hands, all that stuff. And so the biggest thing is we just didn't want to, one, leave my chin up in the air and two, like overextend on a punch. And I did both those things in the first 10 seconds of the fight. You know, so just watching that, I'm like, dude, you're an idiot, bro. Like literally we knew how to beat Fernie. We knew what we needed to do, and you did the opposite right off the bat, you know. But then it like kind of like reminded me, it's like, oh yeah, you can't play around. You gotta, you gotta fight like you're supposed to fight. And so I think from that point on, even in the standup, I feel like I was winning, and it's because I was doing what we worked on doing. I know you mentioned about you know one of the things you want to do is showcase your, your striking in, in this matchup, and you know, the first round obviously you had to you had to go to your wrestling roots there and uh, to to go what you need to do there. But like as you think about that second and third round, what you're able to do on the feet, what what sticks out to you about how you performed? You know, I after that first round, obviously I got caught and everything. Um, but I think the second round and the third round, I felt uh, pretty confident. I feel like I was doing all the right things. I feel like I didn't take any damage after that point, you know, and I feel like I looked fluid out there. You know, I felt, I felt in control and I felt confident, you know, in those second and third rounds with my stand up and my striking. Uh, you know, obviously the the apex is a, a scene you are familiar with from from the yeah. Ultimate Fire. But like I, I heard you say, like one of the differences was you had to walk out a, a different door than when you walked in for yeah. the Ultimate Fire. Yeah, yeah, because usually they they had us like on the Ultimate Fighter. It was really cool, you know. They had you walk down the hallway and you like bust open the double doors and you come walking out the double doors. Um, but for like the Ricky fight and this fight, they have you kind of walk you know, like a little bit of aisle, I think just so you have a little bit more time in front of the camera as you're walking through, you know, you have a walkout song this time that you didn't have. We didn't, it was just silent on ultimate fighter. You just walk out and you look and you see Dana white and Forrest, and then your teammates and that's it. And it was just dead silent. So it was a little bit different. You know, I actually liked it cause, uh, I had a good song, got me all pumped up. And you know, once I got to the cage, I was ready to go. Like thinking back to your ultimate fighter experience, like when you're, you're sitting there about to have a fight and like, it's dead silence. Do you feel like you're not in a fight? You know, you know, actually I think I can see why you'd think that, but you know, at my gym, you know, we have such a weird gym cause it's literally in a four car garage and we'll literally simulate fights all the time. Like that's one of our main ways of training. We don't just, you know, spar light. We don't, we drill a lot. But almost every day we'll like do like small 30 second sprints of simulated fighting, whether it's grappling, wrestling, striking or all of it together. And so in that four garage, it gets really quiet and you just see like your your teammates around the room. So it was actually pretty like 
I was used to it. It almost felt like familiar being in that situation. The only difference, obviously, is one of the guys watching is Dana, and we're in a big, huge uh, UFC cage. Being a part of, of Team Volk, what, what was the biggest thing you took away from uh, how he um, you know goes through a training session? You know, he's he's like a professional, like through and through. I think the big, like the coolest thing I found out about Volk is one, he's like the most helpful, nicest dude. I've ever met like literally the the guy would train for two hours because he was getting ready for a title fight and then he would train for two hours with us right after and it wasn't like he was just like telling us what to do he was like hopping in working on the drills you know always you know in it and so that just seeing him do that was awesome and then also the the other biggest thing is I, I loved and I wanted to take home was him and his team work so well together like they're like you can tell they're boys like literally they like talk shit to each other but they also, you can feel the love, and then you can feel like they got each other's back 100%. So do you like to shit-talk your teammates in the training room? You know, a little bit. You know, everyone can get it, you know, just get a little bit of uh, banter, as the Australians say. I mean, is that is that just like, it's it's is it a little motivation sometimes for you? Because, like, I, I've heard guys say, like, man, I love when a guy trash-talks me in the cage. Like, it fuels sure. me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it makes you, you know, it makes it real. It's like, I feel like if you're too love, like, you know, supportive and always love it, like, you know, supporting your teammates, then it like, you got to have a little bit of fun, talk a little shit, and then also get you a little riled up because the guy across from you is not going to be, you know, saying your praise all the time. He's going to be talking shit to you. So it gets you a little bit prepared for that. The nickname Bam Bam, how'd you get it? So when I was younger, like I said, I, I started training when I was like 13. I was always the youngest and the smallest kid in the gym, but I would always go crazy. Like when, when it was time to go hard, I would go hard. And so one of the girls in the gym, she was, you know, uh, 10 years older than me, but she was like, she's like, you're like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, you know, always uh, like the cartoon with the big stick going around and beating up all the dinosaurs. Did you like the nickname from the start? I, I, you know, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought, uh yeah I, I liked it you know that's why it stuck but uh yeah i like it you can't give yourself your own nickname I mean, so someone has to give you the nickname yeah i think it's a little weird if you if you give yourself a nickname uh, in, in terms of what's next for you um you know ha- have you in your mind started thinking about a, a timeline of when you think you might get back in there yeah, so um, they gave me a 30-day suspension just because it was a long fight. But I feel ready to go. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to talk to my manager on Monday and see when we can get in. Hopefully by the beginning of next year. If not, like, yeah, I want to get in there right away. I'm ready to go. Is the mustache sticking around? You know, we'll see how uh, how it uh, how it stays after uh, November. But, you know, I'm undefeated with a mustache. So it, got, it has good juju. It might have to just keep it. Hey, hey, look, we, we all need something. We, we all got to figure out what's working for us, you know, and, and keep that, that going on. Um, uh, by the way, as we're talking, it's the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, was there a go-to dish for you yesterday? Everything. Everything, anything and everything. I, I was just ready to eat. I, I had all the pie, all the turkey. It was literally the best year, not only because I got the win, but I haven't had Thanksgiving dinner for like five years. So it's like I always, I always have a fight on, you know, around that time or a jiu-jitsu match or something. So this is the first time I got to enjoy uh, Thanksgiving dinner along with the win. So it was, it was awesome. Are you going to try to get any jiu-jitsu matchup before your next fight, or is everything just uh, about, you know, the, the MMA side of things? 
you know, everything's about the MMA right now. It's like jujitsu. If something pops up, I'm, I'll be down. You know, I love grappling, and you know, I, I can make something exciting. Especially, I know the UFC does like grappling matches where it's like six minutes, no heel hooks. I'm like, you could go balls to the wall for six minutes. I would love to do that. Make it exciting, throw up some flying triangles or something like that. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the stipulation the UFC has for any grappling competition. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I want to say uh, it was for um, Cage Fury because it was grappling shows. And I remember hearing a story. I was talking, I want to say it was, maybe it was Clay Guida was talking about it. And he was saying, he goes, yeah, what made it so easy is since we're contract UFC fighters, you can't go for a heel hook against us. He goes, so it may, he goes, especially if you know, you're going to get somebody that's a heel hook specialist. You're like, Oh, yeah. I, I feel pretty good. Cause I just took out one of their best weapons. Exactly. And you know, I, I feel pretty confident with heel hooks. It's not like my main part of my game, but you know, I feel decently like confident with, you know, defending and even doing them sometimes, but it is scary when you grapple someone that's really good at heel hooks, especially like me after having ACL surgery and knowing how long it takes to recover. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that right now. Especially, you know, I make money going out there and fighting the UFC. You know, I probably won't make a whole lot of money going and doing a, you know, a bunch of grappling matches yet. Yeah, no, that's very true. Brady, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Congratulations on the victory, of course. Uh, let me know they can follow you on social media or anything else you want to mention, man. Yeah, you know, Brady underscore Bam Bam's my Instagram. Brady Houston One's my Twitter. Go give me a follow. Um, and that's it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is the man that's back inside the octagon here, UFC 282. Jamie, as always, appreciate time. You know, I was watching a, another interview you did, and, and a lot of the conversation was about uh, the the status of judging in mixed martial arts. Yeah. Like, if, if you had the opportunity, you know, like, like say they, the UFC came to me and said, hey, Jay, we're going to do this fire summit. We're bringing in, you know, John Smith Judge, and, and you can ask him any question you want. Where, where would you start the conversation? What does a takedown mean? What does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like we're in this place where, to, like I said in the other interview, and I, I, I know I'm not the only person that feels this way. It's like people are like, how do you prepare for that? You can't. You can't prepare for a, a rule list or like a, like, a, like a prerequisite list that changes every two weeks. You know what I mean? It seems like that that's what's going on. Um, you know, one week, okay, with the Piotr Jan and uh, O'Malley fight, right? Mm -hmm. They said that all those takedowns had no damage to them, right? And so that's why they didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm cool with that. We were all cool with that. Then I'll give you the example of Vince Morales and Miles Johns. I think that the only reason Miles won was that big slam but he didn't do anything with it. So there was no damage involved with that, and Vince popped right back up. He also stuffed about 13 takedowns. Um, so one week it's, it's you know, you need damage and control with takedowns. The next, it's, well, if you get their ass to the ground for two seconds, it's enough to sway a fight. You know what I mean? So, like, what is it? What are we looking at? Why am I – are takedowns important? Are they not important? What? How are we scoring these? Are they like knockdowns? Are they like getting rocked? Someone needs to identify, if is this mixed martial arts or are we just doing a striking contest? I don't know what it is anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's hard for us fighters to prepare yeah. in that regard because we don't know what the judges want anymore. You know what I mean? We don't know what they're looking at. And it's so fluid that it changes week to week. You know, and, and pardon me, there was a truck. 
Uh, sorry, I'm on my way home. Walking home. It's all um, good, bro. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 another thing about the judging is that there's no consequences for judges at all. Zero consequences. This is our careers. You know what I mean? Like this is how we make our living. And one one loss is actually incredibly yeah. detrimental to a mixed martial artist. So for them to just, you know. Just be like, up, oh, screw it, whatever. We're going to get the call wrong. How many times this year, just this year, has there been decisions where everybody in the world went, what? And the judges didn't. What the complete opposite way. Because D'Amato needs to, well, uh, pardon me, Saul or whatever his name is, needs to get fired. Every time there's a bad a bad decision, it's this guy. Um, and they go home and collect a check. And we have to deal with the consequences of their bad job. And like, I guess what I take offense to is the people that are like, well, don't let it go to decision. Well, you know what, dude, we're all at the highest level. You know what I mean? It is not just simple to knock out a professional fighter to, to finish a professional fighter, especially at the highest level, never even mind anything else. Um, so that's what the judges are for. So I guess what I resent right now is the fact that we as fighters have all of this responsibility already, and now we have to take responsibility for other people that aren't doing their job correctly. That's not on us. You have a job. Have have the list of criteria and follow it, and that's it. That's, that's it. It shouldn't be up to us to make up for the things that you're not doing in your job. You have one job. You know what I mean? That's it. So why is it up to us? So I guess if I was going to ask, it'd be like, what is the, what does a takedown mean? Do you know what I mean? Does it, does it, how much weight does it hold? Um, and w w where exactly does damage and all these other things happen? I need to know what the most important to the least important thing that you were, that you're looking at so that I can game plan for that. Does that make sense? I just yeah. need to know where we're at. Cause I don't think anybody knows now. No, I, I get that. I, I think to go back on your takedown point, I think what, one of the issues I have on kind of the, the grappling aspect of this sport is, and something you kind of mentioned there is we outweigh that one takedown achieved versus maybe you stop eight takedowns. I mean, like, like, like we both know your upcoming fight, your opponent wants to he somehow shoot. he's going to want to get the fight to the ground because he's going to want to yeah. make a grapple match. And you understand that, but it's like, but it's, it's one of those things I look at and say is like, do you outweigh the one successful takedown? Like there, 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 there should be some reward for defensively Thank stopping you. your opponent from taking it to the ground. Question number two: When does takedown defense factor in? Mm -hmm. Yes. If you shoot twenty-five times and I stuff twenty-four of them, that holds less weight than the one time that you got me down over over fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? Or twenty-five minutes? Yeah. That seems wrong. You know what I mean? That seems wrong. You know, um, I don't know. When does defense matter? Yeah, I mean, you know I, I mean? I, it's tiring to do that, you know, what I mean? to, to be able to defend that many takedowns. So I guess the whole entirety of takedowns needs to be called into question here mm -hmm. because we don't know offensively how much they matter. And clearly stuffing a hundred of them doesn't matter either if they just get the one. You know what I mean? So like for me in my up and coming matchup, I need to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if he takes me down and I pop back up, even just once, is that going to screw me? Because yeah. I got screwed in the last one. So, like, what about now? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, if he takes me down one time and I pop back up, not that he holds me, but he, I, my ass touches the ground and I mm -hmm. pop back up, that's going to be enough to sway a judge to tell them that they that, that this kid beat me. Doesn't matter. Significant strikes. Again, going back to the Morales fight. He outstruck Miles. 
Mm -hmm. right? He threw more, he landed more, and he defended 14 of 15 or something like that takedowns. Why does that stat sheet not matter? You know what I mean? Why, why is that, why is that one takedown enough to sway it? But two weeks ago when we were talking about the number one spot at 35, it didn't matter at all. You know what I mean? So like judges need to figure out what they're doing. And I, I know it's impossible and it's not the UFC's fault because it's a, it's a state commission thing. They need to be held to the fire for this shit because people lose and get cut because of this. And this is our careers. It's how we make our money. It's how we feed our families. It's how we pay our bills. And one, like I said, one bad call affects our life and negotiations for contracts detrimentally. And it's like, again, you just go home and pick up a check. You make 20 grand every time you, you do this. And we just get to go home and be crushed by it. So I, I just, I just, I don't care what the rule is as long as I fucking know what it is. You know what I mean? As long as it's definitive across the board, everybody, every state should have the same rules. This is what we are looking for. The unified rules of MMA across from New York to California to Florida. All of them should have the same fucking rules. All of the same criteria. It shouldn't be, well, you know, Mr. Amato likes to uh, look at boxing because he's 150 years old and lives when, you know, was alive when Jack Johnson was boxing. So that's what he's looking at. And then the other two don't matter. You get what I'm saying? I, 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 I don't know. It's just very, very frustrating because, again, it, it's our livelihood, man. That's not cool. You know, how are we supposed to to do our job if we don't even have clear instructions about what we're what we're doing? Yeah. No, I, I get you. I, trust me. We've both been in the yeah. sport for a long time, and uh, this is this, this has always been a topic. It's always been a topic. Hundred percent. Uh, but you know, you so, mentioned about uh, Raul. We we all you know, obviously uh, the, the story. We all know the storyline with him. Eighteen year old kid gets uh, you know actually was signed as a seventeen year old now eighteen years old. Um, yep. and, and I know. Listening to every you says like, look, man, I, I I know what's coming. He you know you're you said well, he's going to try to grapple me. I think you joked about hey, I'm going to probably see a flying triangle at yep. some point. Um, yep. Like I call it tenth planet shit. Does does it? make preparing for the fight easier though i've always found and this is what I, I i think i am an anomaly among my community um that fighting people you know is more fun um and and it's, it seems weird people are like he was your teammate he's this or that it's easier to prepare i know what you're going to bring to me man so i know the level of intensity right. i'm going to have to bring to this fight and i fought a friend before a very good friend of mine and i fought for a belt um uh, before i got signed and we had, you know what I mean? We knew, you know what I mean? It was kind of weird. Sure. Cause obviously we're friends and you're trying to take food out of each other's mouths. But you know, at the end of the day, we're mercenaries, man. This is the job. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's what it is. You can't say no to shit like that. And, um, yeah, knowing what he brings to the table is easier to prepare for. You know what I mean? It's not like he's super striking heavy. We all know he's not, you know, so he's going to shoot. I have to be prepared for the shot. I know he doesn't want to stand with me. So, you know what I mean? That makes it all the easier and more direct um, and, and more fun. You know, I just think it's more fun. You know, I know him. It's like I'm being competitive between friends. He probably doesn't feel the same way because I don't think he considered us friends. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, I, I don't mind it. You know what I mean? I, I, if I, I would fight, if it, if it meant securing a better future for me, then you can't expect me not to take the fight. You know what I mean? If you're the one, if you're the one standing in my way of a better life for myself, and you think that I should give that up because we're acquaintances or we're, you know what I mean? You're just mistaken. That's not fair. And it's not like 
I have hold any ill will towards anybody like that. It's mostly like, again, we're mercenaries, man. This is what we do. They pay us to go and fight people, sometimes people you know, and that's just how it is. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it's easy to prepare. I think it's more fun, and um, it'll be a fun fight for it. Do you feel disrespected being a uh, 2 to 1 underdog? No. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm 0 2. I get it. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, people will make some money. I'm going to win this fight. It's not like a. So like I'm going to like it's I don't know what they see that this kid's better than me at if he gets me to the ground. Sure. But I, I think that people are really enamored with how old he is and not his actual skill level. And not to say that he doesn't have a bright future. And I've said that a thousand times yep. is that this kid is going to be great. Not on December 10th. You know, his eye his like from what I understand. Again, like you said, we've been in this game a long time. I've seen. Really, really tough guys. The list of our opponents is very different. Um, and the list of people I've beaten uh, comparatively to his is very different. Um, and I just don't think he has a great fight IQ. I don't think, he t- I don't think he's great there. I think he's, he's an 18-year-old kid who wants to be flashy and um, wants to secure a finish so bad that he doesn't secure position and he doesn't do things correctly because he's so you know hyped up to try and – be a world famous person, you know, and he's on his world tour. Believe me. Um, disrespected. I've always been the underdog, man. No one's ever believed right out that I'm just going to whoop somebody's ass. And that's fine. I've been there my whole career. It's nice to make people quiet, you know? So um, 18 years old, he's got a big ego. Um, he's a one trick pony, you know, and um, you've watched my fights. It's incredibly difficult to keep me down. If you get me there, mm-hmm. even Mario Batista couldn't do it. He got me down twice, and I popped right back up. And I hate to tell you, or if I could just do this, right? And I know MMA math doesn't matter, yeah. but let's just let's just put the put this up for debate. Let's look at my last two opponents, mm-hmm. and let's look at Raul's last two opponents, and the caliber of fighter is very different. Yeah, you know, it's, it's incredible. Mario's Mario's a top fifteen guy, hundred mm-hmm. percent is, and he's murdering people, and. I went all three, and I took it to him a few times. So, like, an AQ, I think I won that fight. But that's just my own opinion. Yeah. Um, and, like, uh, I- I've made the point a few times. His last fight, if you watch it in the Contender Series, I wasn't all that impressed by that. He, you know, he made a lot of sloppy mistakes. He got swept. Everybody keeps talking about his grappling prowess, which is great that he can do fancy shit. But he got swept. He got mounted at one point. The guy took his back. Um, so, I, I, again, I don't think it's the skill level that they're enamored with. I think it's because he's 18 and he's on the Contender Series and the UFC is doing a good job of promoting that. But I see through that shit. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see a world-class fighter yet. You know, in three years, we'll talk, but not right now. Fighting in front of fans, do you think that actually plays more into your advantage? Because, I mean, he, he's never fought in front of a crowd like this. Like, do you, do you view that as a way of, like, this is a this is a potentially uh, – may, maybe there's an adrenaline dump from him at, at some point in this fight. I mean, is that a way you look at it? I don't feel any pressure going into this fight because, again, I'm a two-to-one underdog. People expect me to lose. I've been in big situations with big crowds. I fought for belts with big crowds and big – you know what I mean? Like I've been in high-pressure situations and always stepped up to the plate. I can always um, do that. He's an 18-year-old. I remember myself at 18, and I know that I had a big ego 
And I will play to this young man's ego because he's going to see all the crowd. He's going to try and get fancy and it's going to cost him. I, I do believe that this is more my advantage for that reason. Um, it's a big moment. You're in the UFC. There's a lot of pressure on him, man. Mm-hmm. With all of this shit, think about it. Everybody's thinking he's the world killer. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. And if he doesn't perform, well, what now? You lose to an 0-2 guy. Well, maybe you don't belong here. You know, so um, there's a lot more pressure on him than there is me. And, and you know, I'm going to go in there and do what I love to do. Either way, fight's a fight no matter where it is, no matter how many people are in front of you. And I say it all the time. I'm not going to get punked in front of 10 people, never mind 10,000 people. So, um, yeah, to answer the question, I, I think that he's got a lot more to deal with mentally than I do. Um, I've been there before. Even with AQ, you know, there was a lot of cr- – there was a big crowd. And um, that took me aback a little bit, but – now that I've been there, you know, it's only all it is is exciting. It's not anxiety anymore. It's I'm I'm going to go there and do this for thousands of people. It's going to be fucking sick. I love it. You know, um, and I feed off energy of crowds. I get going a little bit better as crowds get bigger. So, um, you know, we'll see how he handles it. I'm not going to make like a, a definite pre- um, prediction that he's going to like yeah. flail and fail. But I do think that he's going to try and do what 18 year olds do and flex in front of all of these people at T-Mobile arena. And I'm just not the guy. You know what I mean? I'm not the guy to make that kind of mistake with, because if you, I'm good everywhere, man, there's not one person, not, I mean, one place in this fight other than the ground, you know what I mean? And very, very barely that I'm not competent in and, or, or that I can't be defensive in, um, or, you know what I mean? I just have a very well-rounded skill set. Um, so I think that, you know, he's going to try and do something silly in a wrong position, and I'm going to punish him for it every time he does it. You know, I, mean, I was just thinking about this because I, I got to imagine that this is probably going to be probably um, high place on the card. I mean, was one of your thoughts when this fight gets off for you? Like, damn it, this is a, a great opportunity for me kind of showcase, you know, me? 100%. Absolutely. Um He's got, like I said, going back to, he's got all the hype around him. The world thinks he's this or that or the other. Uh, for me, it's it's an opportunity to steal some of that hype, you know, opportunity for me to do better and, um, you know, get the recognition that maybe I deserve. I've got, I got, you know, I get a lot of support from people from my last two fights and um, people really have been behind me, but this is my opportunity to prove that, you know what I mean? I am somebody that is going to be a staple in this division and, um, top 15, top 20, whatever I'm capable of doing and being one of these people. Um, and you know, uh, that's really it. You know, whether I get the credit I deserve here or not, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on me and, um, it's an opportunity for, you know, later on down the road when I renegotiate my contract, if they decide they want me to stay, um, that I can bring that to the table and look, 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 look what I did here. Look what I sell. Whenever I'm at your fights, whenever you put me on a card, people pay attention because my fights are exciting or they're entertaining. So, um, yeah, with the first thing I thought, and they, I was like, Hey, did he accept it? When they, when they offered it to me, I went, did he take it? And they went, yep. He took it right away. And I said, word, well then when, let's run it. Cause all of these things, you know, the 18, the, the hype, the promotion that they're giving him, all of those things put pressure on him and our only rewards for me. So um, the way that I've taken it is I'm 0-2, but all of the misfortune that I've had um, has brought me to this moment, has brought me to be able to to have this fight. Because if I was 2-0, and Raul would not have taken this fight. If I had beaten both Mario and AQ, 
we wouldn't be talking like this. He would have picked somebody else. Um, I think that they really looked at O2 um, and are underestimating me. And that's a really, really good chance because when nobody has expectations of you, when you exceed them, it's almost that much more exaggerated because they didn't expect anything of you. So that's kind of how I'm taking it. Quote, unquote, hometown fight for you here. You, you, you don't got to uh, travel out of town. Of course, uh, your, your new hometown of Las Vegas. I, I can see the smile on your face. That, that's got to make life real easy for you. It does, man. The travel is, is nice, but, like, at least here I can focus on, like, the weight cut and, like, there's the PI, which is right down the road from my house that I'm going to, you know, I have Dan Marquette and all my coaches there in the saunas. It's like when you travel, man, you don't know. There's, like, no guarantee mm-hmm that you're going to have the facilities to be able to cut correctly or, or do what you need to do. Um, so, you know, being down the road just makes it infinitely easier. Um, and just a lot more like comforting, you know, that I'm, that I don't have to scramble when I get there. Hey, is there a sauna here? Hey, is there like, cause even in Salt Lake, we had to go like 15, 20 minutes away from Salt Lake city to figure out where our sauna was. And that that's kind of stressful. You know what I mean? So, Having the PI and everybody here and down the road, my manager and all my coaches, that shit makes it way easier to, to deal with. Of course, look forward to seeing this fight here at UFC 282. Everyone can watch it on the ESPN prelims. Jay, man, as always, uh, appreciate the time. Of course, uh, let me know anything you can find on social media and anything else you want to mention, man. Absolutely. You guys can find me at Joker underscore gang 35 on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, I just want to take a shout out to you, my man. Thank you for always talking to me. It's always a great time. Um, it's going to be an entertaining fight, man. This kid is hungry, and I know that, and he's out to prove something, but so am I, and I've been around for too long, and um, I've struggled too much. I've, I've gone through too much. My road has been the hardest um, road that I can really think of outside of, like, Chris Curtis. You know, I didn't have an easy road. I didn't have people that groomed me to be this um, this thing, and, and I didn't get all the chances this kid did. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all of the struggle I've taken over the years in this career, put it in my fist, and shove it down this kid's throat. And then I hope that I am the one searing loss for the rest of his life that he has to wake up and deal with. Um, and that's, that's what's going to happen on December 10th. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's going to step back inside competition for the first time just a little bit over four years. Justin, I appreciate time. Of course, be fighting for the featherweight title, the main event of Unified MMA 47. Of course, everyone can watch this card live on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, let's just start there, man. How, how do you describe the last four years? Uh, slow. <laughs> yeah. um, I had a few injuries. I took care of them, and as soon as I was ready to jump back in the cage here, uh, COVID hit and it slowed everything down for the whole world. So, it yeah, just I, I, I was listening to an interview you did and, and you talked about, and, and I know I've had these similar conversations, whether it's a fighter in Canada, a fighter in the United States, where you know, uh, training had to become unique. You had to you had to find different ways to get in. Garage training kind of became the thing, and it made yeah. me think about when when you were you and the, and the guys had that uh, garage training going on. Did you did you have to use anything unique? To help simulate things that can come up in in the fight game. No, we had a pretty good setup. We had mats. We had two cage panels. We had a treadmill, a roar, a skier. We had we, we invested a lot into it during COVID. Yeah, I mean, I I remember the the most unique thing I heard was someone told me they used their car to uh, mim- mimic uh, cage walks. Oh yeah, yeah, that's funny. 
uh, you know, but I mean, obviously you mentioned about you had the injuries and of course you had COVID and um, do you, do you all look at this matchup? And I know you've got some history with him in, in terms of, of grappling matches, but do you look at this and say like, man, he hasn't seen footage of me in four years. He has no idea what I look like right now. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like I thought, like the me of four years compared me today would beat the crap out of me the four, from four years ago today. Like if, if basing on everything being four years ago, mm-hmm. um, he'd be in for a shock. I think. Do you look at the fight game differently now than than you did back then? Yeah, back then I was just more rushed and more eager to get get a hold of guys. Now I feel like I'm I'm more composed. I'm more well thought of what I do compared to just rushing in there and tr- trying to fight. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I the word I would probably use is patience. Like, yeah, more- and, and and I've had other guys will say like that is one of the hardest traits to get in this game is to understand yeah. of of letting it come to you as opposed yeah. to trying to create an opening. Yeah, exactly. Like or traps or something. Before I would just, I would leave myself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I would leave myself open for attacks and stuff like that. But as of recent, I've just been very, very patient and very more methodical in the way I, I fight compared to what I did four years ago. You know, mentioned about the, this matchup here for the featherweight title with your opponent, and you know you've had some grappling experience with them. And um, the, the thing I took of what you said in our interview was he's tricky with his chokes. Yeah. What makes him so tricky? Oh, you feel like you're controlling. Uh, you feel like you're doing all right, and all of a sudden he gets you gets you in a choke. You know what I mean? He's, he's very smooth. Like uh, his gym's one of the best gyms in Alberta. I've been there a few times to train, and uh, I consider the guy like not a friend, but like a, like an acquaintance. He's a good dude. We see each other, we say hi to each other, we shake each other's hands. He's a good person. I get along with him real well, and it's just uh, sad that we. No, it's it's like, it's like kind of fighting a friend, but not a friend. Like we're acquaintances, you know what I mean? Is that tough for you? No, not really. I come from like a a wrestling background, mm-hmm. where you have to wrestle your own teammates in the same tournament. You know what I mean? But it just he's a good dude, and I don't know. It just is. It's the first time I've had to compete against someone that I've actually trained with, so it's kind mm-hmm. of tricky because he knows a lot of how I feel, how strong I am, and what I like to do. So, so that's why it's kind of like an awkward it'll be a little bit awkward in the beginning just to get that feeler out process Mm -hmm. to see how much has he really changed from what it was like four years ago since we trained together or whatever it was do you think that that ultimately leads out to more of a feeling out process from both sides of the equation obviously he wants to see kind of you know do you come out and show something different than than you showed on footage a couple years ago and and vice versa i mean do you kind of feel like maybe instead of like maybe the first 10 15 seconds being a feeling out process that maybe it's a a 30 45 second kind of feeling each other out i could see that happening yeah right but i I could also see it just uh, him biting down his mouth guard and coming after me as well. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, with it being so long, do you, do you kind of feel like, you know, on fight day, it'll be a, you, you'll have a little you know anxiousness to be like, it, it might be like 10 o'clock in the morning. You're like, God damn, can we just get to the venue and get this thing going? Yeah, no, it, ha- it happens regularly. Even when I was competing, it was the same thing. So looking, not looking forward to that part, but I'm sure it will happen. 
uh, you know, and you you mentioned obviously about what he can do from the, the grappling side of the equation. But when we talk about the stand up aspect of this, what, what do you expect to see from him in that part of the game? Oh, he's refined in the stand up too. I think he's great overall everywhere. He just says his last win was against Neil Anderson. He knocked him out. So he's showing off that he's well-rounded everywhere. The fight before when he won the belt, I think he subbed Neil in the fourth or fifth round, one of the two, later in the later championship rounds. So I know he's durable. And then I think it was the fourth round where he knocked him out. So he's durable. He doesn't give up. He's gritty. And he's there to compete and, and win, as am I. What do you ultimately believe your, your key to victory is here? My key to victory is, I think, the patience I, I, I acquired over like the over the training. I can't, like, like again, Neil, I feel, rushed a few scenarios with him and got caught in both times. He was doing very well in the fights, and it was a back-and-forth fight, but you can't rush anything, and you can't... I said this in the interview before, you can't give this guy an inch because he'll take a mile on you. Right? He's, he's, he's had lots of fights against lots of high-level guys. He's been in there with everyone who is anyone in Canada essentially and he's good like you can't you can't take anything for granted with him so if you have a position you better secure it before you decide to do anything else uh you know in, in I know you mentioned about you, you you believe there's there's not just obviously the titles on the line here but you feel like potentially the winner of this fight is going to get a call um you know to the UFC I mean is that is it in the back of your mind or or is it just kind of like look I, I I got to take care of business here on December 2nd, and then I can worry about that potential. No, just to worry about December 2nd. And like, we're underrepresented in Canada. We have lots of good talent in Canada. And I think like unified is, is the premier pr- promotion in Canada. And if like, you're, if you're coming to winning titles in unified, I think you're right on that, on the doorstep of knocking on the UFC right there. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, life outside of fighting, you know, in terms of, of hobbies, you know, if it's a, a Friday, Saturday night and you can kind of just relax, uh, what's kind of some go-to things for you to do? Uh, I like to, uh, I don't know, I'm not really big on going out or anything like that. I like to just hang out, watch a movie. Uh, I have nieces and nephews that have sleepovers here and there. So you know, just just more of a homebody relaxing usually. Do, do the nieces and nephews try to pick on you because they're like, hey, you know, your uncle uncle gets it into these scraps. So we we may pick on them a little bit. <laughs> the the older the older two girls do a little bit here and there, but the other two are a little too small still. So yeah. Would you would you, have they asked you about coming to the gym, or if that came to that equation, would you be would you bring them in, or would you kind of maybe try yeah. to hold them off? Well, we we're training a pre. Uh, during that whole COVID mess, we were in reopening of COVID. We I was running a little kids program out of the gym. I was training Cardinal MMA. My nieces were in it. Yeah, they I, loved it. You know, I've talked to other guys who have who teach kids classes, and yeah, the two things they talk about is having patience, but also realizing how important fundamentals are. Are those your biggest takeaways from doing that? Oh yeah, for sure. You get a lot of patience uh, working with. Them. I mean, do you see yourself, you know, as a coach post fighting career? Uh, it's undetermined yet. I'm still in it, so I don't want to look past it. Mm-hmm. Right, so one step at a time. And of course, that next step comes up here, December second, Unify MMA forty seven main event of this fight card in there in Calgary, your hometown. Uh, that yeah. that's you know. 
do you uh, do you try to look at more of the pros than the cons? I mean, you, you talk to fighters who fight in our hometown, they'll, they'll talk about some of the cons that may be there, but for you, is it more about the pros? Oh, it's always, I always try to take the best out of every situation. So yeah, it's close to home. Get to sleep in my own bed, wake up in my own bed, just comfortability of not being out and out and about trying to find meal, trying to find a place to eat when I can eat at home. Just, just the basics is, is the benefit of it for me. And as I mentioned, everyone can watch this on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know anything you on social media and anything else you want to mention, man. No, just uh, I'd like to thank my sponsors. I have a few sponsors local. Uh, Muiz with Calgary Windows and Glass. Those guys are awesome. Ace Homes and a friend of mine uh, is opening up a big platform for athletes called Athletes Arena. You should follow them on Instagram. Well, you can follow all three on Instagram, but those guys for the fighters, uh, I think they're going to have some big things coming up here. So if you follow all three, that'd be sweet. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a very quick victory here earlier on this month. And, of course, you all know his brother, Raul, Jesse. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Congrats on the victory, man. It, it doesn't take you very long to go out there and get the win earlier this month. Uh, 12 seconds. <laughs> so, guy, talk to me about this one. Yeah, so, like, I went in and um, the fight ended up pretty quick, like, in 10 seconds. I was a little surprised because I thought it was going to be more of a fight, you know, but um, that's the result we got, and I'm glad um, I came out with no injuries, and I'm ready for the next fight. Yeah, I guess it could be like a, a good and bad situation because obviously you want to go in there, you, you don't want to get injured, you want to get the you know the quick W and all that, but but was there part of you that was like, man, I, I really wanted to get some cage time? Yeah, I really wanted to get some more like time in the cage. Because I, I want to get that experience, you know. But um, that was the result we got. We saw the finish, like, in the first 10 seconds, and we took it. And, and of course, uh, you know, you, you made your amateur debut back in 20, uh, 2021. Now you've had these two fights uh, in 2022. Like, as you think about the, the four fights you've had um, in between, you know, amateur and pro, how, how do you describe it? Um, I wouldn't say it's much of a difference, but... Um, obviously, you know, um, amateur, I feel like it was way too easy for me because, okay. uh, I already have the experience of past, um, punk creation fights, like fights under 18 for kids. So I feel I already had that experience that I needed. And I think pro was going to be, uh, it was going to be the same thing, but this time I was going to, um, be getting paid for it and it was going to count as a record so I can go to the big leagues. I know I've talked to Raul about uh, both years upbringing and end of martial arts. So kind of uh, tell me about, you know, kind of for you, your, your version of the story of uh, what, what was kind of, was there, is there a moment early on in your life that you kind of felt like, you know, the, the combat sports path was where you were going? Uh, yeah. Like since I was just like, um, I think Raul has told you this, but since I was like, five years old I would see I saw my dad fight because he got drunk once um so from there when I saw him fight I wanted to try it out and we got into this tournament jiu-jitsu tournament when we were like six seven we didn't know any jiu-jitsu at the time but we were just like choke it out we would just grab them squeeze them and from there we started liking it we started going more into the martial arts first jiu-jitsu then um kickboxing, boxing, and then we started doing this punk creation fights that they have for kids because 
we wanted to get that MMA experience too. Did you? Um, I, I know we we'll talked about soccer. What was part of the the, the early life for you? Uh, was there any other sports that you got into? Um, you know, besides you know uh, martial arts. Well, the only sport that I wouldn't really do other than uh, martial arts was soccer. I think that's a that was my favorite one because um, we would play on the street. We would like get like two cans on each side. We would put them on the middle of the street. And we would start playing. And then I never, I never did it in school, but I would always do it for fun other than fighting. And of course, uh, you know, now two and oh in your career, what, what's kind of, what is your plans for, uh, obviously we're, we're approaching here the end of, end of the year, but 2023 right around the corner, like, have you already started kind of setting goals for, for what you want to have accomplished um, in the next 12 months? Yeah. So, um, Maybe in February, I'm going to do another fight. And then fight February, March, April. And then from there, go to a record of 5-0 and to contend the series, just like my brother did. And from there, getting getting that win, getting that contract, and then making it to UFC as two brothers in the UFC this time. In terms of you and your brother, like, you know, when you, you two guys are going at it in the gym, is it is it odd for you to go kind of hard against your brother? No, we, we always go hard, like, on the gym. We always, like, roll with each other. We always – sometimes he taps me, sometimes I tap him. Even here at the house, sometimes I'm laying down in my bed, and then he comes out of nowhere and he starts kicking me, and then we start going at it at the house too. So it's not only in the gym, we go at the house too, so – it's like something that happens like twenty four seven. Is that kind of your like a motivation of like, hey man, if it's a, a Friday, god damn it, he got me today. But oh, yeah. don't worry, I'm coming at you tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. I'm coming at you. No, yeah, because there was like, there's sometimes where I get beat up bad by him on like, and then the next day I'm over here thinking like, oh, I'm not the same shit is not gonna happen again. You know, I'm gonna get him this time. Like, and then there's some days that I get him, he gets me, and then we we have that little ego that we have to get each other back, you know? Yeah, it's I, I think anyone knows who has a brother, that brotherly rivalry that, that you have yeah. there. Um, I mean, and, and obviously everyone's got, got a chance to get to know your brother. What, what would you want people to know about you? Um, You know, I was like, same as my brother, you know, I started martial arts when I was a young kid. Um, I would always like to train. We would always be at the gym, me and my brother. And then at school, I would do soccer more than anything. I would like to do it. But when I was little, I would be more into... I started doing martial arts because I was more into WWE. I would watch a lot of WWE. But then... Uh, and I would use that to... And jujitsu, like those um, um, submission attempts that they have, like in the WWE, I would, I think that's why I wear my tournaments because I would use the WWE moves. But from there, I started like liking it even more. I started um, getting into it more. I started doing kickboxing fights, jujitsu matches, and these other things that got me to where I'm at right now. And from there, um, me and my brother have always been training, always been at the gym. And, you know, he made history on September by becoming the youngest UFC fighter 
in history. He he's been putting in the work. And then we we I was actually gonna make my pro debut on February, but either my opponents would pull out or um I would get injured. Like mm-hmm. I had an injury with uh on my left knee, I think. It like blew up. And then from there, Raul was fighting month back to back to back. And from there, he got the Dana White Contender Series call. And we're right here right now. You know, in in terms of obviously people have gotten a chance to know who both of you are, do you feel like it's it's easier or harder for you to now get fights? Um it's it's been the same since since we started. It it was a little hard at first to get me fights, to get Raul fights, just because Raul was finishing all these guys like in the first round, you know. And then since I was his brother, it was hard for me to get fights too. But thanks to um Jason and Iridium, um it's he makes it easy for us to get some fights over here in Mexico. If it's not in Mexico, he'll go to another promotion to get us a fight. It really doesn't matter, but we're always training. We're always ready for a fight. So whenever we get like a show notice call or something, we're going to be ready for it. In terms of, uh, you know, life outside of, uh, of fighting, you know, when it's a, you know, it's a Friday, Saturday night and you get to go and just, you know, just have fun, you know, with, with the friends, family, what, what's kind of uh what's kind of the go-to stuff for you to do there? Well, on weekends, we usually go out to play pool with the family. Okay. We go out to play pool. We go bowling. We'll go to the straight walk, do something. Or sometimes we'll just chill here at home, watch a movie. But we usually, we're usually hanging out with my parents, with our friends too, um, with my cousin, George. And from there, we sometimes we don't even plan things. We, we'll just like be laying down and out of nowhere. Uh, we'll get a call from my cousin and we're like, oh, you want to go out here, go out there? And we'll just go out, we'll hang out, playing pool. We've been actually playing pool a lot lately, so that's the thing that we've been doing the most. But we usually go out to um, bowling, we'll go to the street, we'll go do something. So, so if we're saying we're going to play a little pool tonight, I mean, it is the same competitive fire that you have in whether it's yeah. MMA competition, kickboxing competition, grappling competition, is that that same type of competitive juice uh, flowing? Yeah, we like me and Raul are always like a little competitive to make it fun. So like in pool, like Raul would be can be talking shit to me like, oh, you suck, you <laughs> suck at pool, I'm better than this and that. And then we'll be talking shit to each other and we'll be like a little competitive to make it more interesting and we'll put like even bets on it like, okay, if I win, then you got to admit that I'm better than you or something, some shit like that. <laughs> so are, are, who, who's the bigger shit talker, you or your brother? Raul for sure. <laughs> Raul is the biggest. Now, like... Do you do you like to, to start talking some trash inside a fight or do you kind of, you know, just kind of go out there and, and that's not really your thing? I mean, like right now, I, I don't really talk a lot of shit because my opponents are always respectful. You know, um, like if you respect me, I'll respect you. But like, I feel like if you were to talk shit to me, I would talk shit back just to make it more interesting. Just to put a little bit more like 
more um interesting like a fight you know but like i'm not a, i'm not as big trash talker as raul raul is a big trash talker he knows how to talk shit and there you have my conversations with Miles Johns, Brady Heastan, Jay Parent, Justin Basra, and Jesse Rojas. And, uh, you know, kind of uh, recapping some of those interviews there. Uh, the Miles Johns, I, uh, so let me just say this. I was actually surprised that he was pitched to me because of everything going on there with James Krause. And, you know, look, in my mindset going to that interview was I wasn't trying to, I didn't want to make it about, hey, an interview about James Krause. I mean, obviously, it was part of the story, and, and we're going to see kind of how the things, but I thought it was really i thought it was fascinating where miles talked about he said he goes man you know i thought everyone just knew that james wasn't gonna, was not allowed to corner me he goes i thought the media knew and uh you know mentioning the fact that he called james after it when you know kind of this storm started up there so we'll see kind of uh you know how that does uh play out there with him and, and james and uh but miles you know look taking it on short notice it'll be interesting to kind of see you know how much uh you know he can uh you know with you know he talked about you know chapo 2.0 of giving him a, a full fight camp so we'll see how that thing plays out for him and then of course uh brady he stand uh you know i thought kind of my biggest takeaway from that conversation was talking about what he took away uh from team volkanovsky and uh you know look he had a, he had a weather and early storm in that matchup against fernie garcia and then boy jay Perrin, boy you, you think he's fired up a little bit there and uh you know it, it's it's a matchup that I think it makes sense for both fighters. I mean, obviously, if you're Raul Rojas Jr., you look at this and you say, look, it's a guy that's 0-2 in the UFC, but I, I agree with what Jay said in the interview is Raul has to get the fight to the ground, but he's a young fighter. He's a green fighter. And, of course, here's the other interesting part, part about this story is that Jay and Raul both have the same manager. It's something to to kind of note there. But, yeah, and, uh, you know, talk about the brief interaction that you had there with Raul at Syndicate MMA. And, uh, I mean, look, I think it's it's a great opportunity for Jay. I think it's it's a, a good matchup for Jay because, like in the interview here, Jay you know, talks about, look, I just I got to keep this fight on the feet. I, I, I does not want to make it into a submission matchup because that is what is is the wheelhouse for Raul. Uh, then you hear from Justin uh, Basra and, you know, interesting, you know, talking about the four-year layoff that he had, which, you know, part of it was the injuries that he had. And, of course, the other part of it was, you know, COVID. And, uh, you know, for can a lot of Canadian mixed martial artists, that just it really just shut down their career for, for the most part. And so, you know, stepping back in there four years away from competition and also, you know, interesting hearing hear him talking about his opponent and, of course, he's got some history with grappling and training with him and, uh, you know, talking about how uh, he's tricky with his choke. So, of course, uh, I, I have interviewed a couple of, of unified MMA fighters uh, leading up to this fight car, which is coming up uh, this upcoming weekend on, on December the 2nd. Uh, Ali Sharkey, if you missed that interview here on the podcast, you can go over to the MMA Report com or the MMA Report YouTube channel. You can check out that conversation that I had with him. So you can check that out over there at the MMA report.com. If you ever miss any of the interviews I have, they are up there as well. So you can check out the interviews that I have for all of these unified MMA 47 fighters. If you've happened to miss any of these interviews, uh, you know, if there's for whatever reason, of course, uh, uh, also, uh, if you miss the, the conversation that I have, 
uh, with Kama Worthy. That is up over at the MMAReport.com. Uh, Davon Brock, who's a part of this unified card. Of course, he was on last Sunday's episode of the podcast. You can check that out. Of course, also uh, Marcus McGee was on that. Of course, all my interviews are, are done in video form, so they're always uh, put up there over at the M- over at the MMAReport YouTube channel. Of course, uh, we are putting the midweek edition of the show up on the YouTube channel as well, so if you can uh, you know, uh, subscribe to the channel, like, comment. I will tell you, I appreciate everyone that does that. Um, I got, I got to kind of get, got to get into those comments because I've been, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, I've been, uh, been, it's been kind of crazy in my world. It's, it's been, um, it's been crazy in my world the past, uh, past week and a half or so. So, uh, you know, actually more than past week and a half, but, uh, I'll, I'll be catching up on all those comments on YouTube. Probably uh, catch up, uh, you know, as I'm traveling this weekend, as I'll be up in Cleveland and, uh, apparently going to be a rainy Sunday, uh, there in Cleveland. And then of course the final conversation you heard was with Jesse Rojas, of course, the older brother of Raul Rojas jr. He's coming off a 12 second knockout win there, pair fight FC 16. And, uh, you know, going to be interesting kind of see how he develops. And obviously, uh, it's one of those things that you kind of wonder, even though he is the older brother, you wonder if uh, because of the fact of his younger brother's already in the UFC at 18 years old, maybe uh, is, is you know, as I was doing the interview, I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, I wonder if this guy feels like he he's living in, in the, the shadow of his brother right now because his brother has more experience in, in MMA competition. So uh, it was great to catch up with him. Of course, I uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of podcast. Of course, uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff that, that truly does help us out a lot as well of course uh the next episode of the podcast will come out on wednesday as myself and daniel galvan will we'll take a deeper dive into that pfl card of course uh, we got ufc orlando coming up here this weekend as uh, man that is that's a uh, fabulous fight night card uh ticket tickets are pretty crazy i would tell you that tickets are are pretty crazy for for that fight card uh also we've got uh, one on prime video is coming up this week this weekend as well. Of course, that uh, UFC Orlando card headlined by Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. Uh, you got Brian Barberina taking on RDA. Uh, just kind of looking over here at the uh, the fight card overall on the ESPN MMA. So the ESPN MMA uh, is pretty much where I go to find these fight cards for for the most part. Uh, you know, looking at some of the ones, uh, Michael Johnson versus Mark Diacasey. Um, that's a matchup on the prelims that kind of sticks out to me. You know, wonders if if maybe we do see kind of the more the grappling that we have seen out of Mark. Uh, you know, taking on Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson is just one of those guys, man. I just I always I always love joy watching him fight there. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see if uh, if if Dia Casey does uh, engage in a striking matchup uh, with him. But, of course, great main event, great co-main event. Uh, notable uh, flyaway matchup between Matt Chanel and Matthias Nikolai. Also, uh, Todd Tuovasa on this card, taking on Sergey Pavlovich. And uh, see how, how does Ty bounce back here. Uh, Ty, a plus 160 betting underdog in that one. Uh, Eric Anders, uh, Eric Anders, always a guy that I've interviewed. I've been interviewing Eric Anders since he was an amateur. I remember talking to him. You know, as he was working the grappling scene and taking amateur fights, and uh, so uh, be be, uh, be looking forward to watching UFC Orlando coming up this weekend. And of course, you got the as I mentioned, you got the one on Prime, and then uh, Bellator uh, fight card coming up here in two weeks. That big one 
for Bellator 289. If you missed my tweet, um, I did talk about that the drug testing that has been taking place for this fight card as Rafael Stas, Danny Sabatello, Patchy Mix, and Magomed Magomedov have all been drug tested out of competition. Um, they've been drug tested out of competition on two, it's here two or three separate edge um, points um, to this point. As of right now, all of them have come back clean. Um, you know, uh, there, I had a tweet that basically talked about the drug testing. That has been taking place over there, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, the, I will tell you this, man. Rafael Sots and Danny Sabatello, those two guys have been putting in some work promoting this car. So hopefully Bellator takes care of those guys, throws them a little little extra coin because those guys are, are really doing a great job promoting that matchup. But uh, we'll be back. I'll be back on Wednesday as Daniel will join me. We'll talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm sure something crazy is going to happen because, well, that's how this sport works. So appreciate you taking that time out of your day. To download, listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, rate, um, subscribe, review, like, all that stuff. I uh, really do appreciate it. So let's go wrap up for this edition of the Edmund Report Podcast, which you hear two times a week. On Sunday is the interview edition, and the midweek edition of the show is myself and Daniel Galvan talking about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts.